How Not to Die contains adult themes and explicit language. If you are at work or around little ones, you might want to put in your headphones. Welcome to take two. So Betsy and I just recorded an hour. (laughs) We just recorded a whole hour of just us talking. We talked about The Witcher. We talked about old parties and we talked about old friends. And then we talked about religion Mm. and politics. And then we deleted our recording because it's not the podcast. And we're trying it again. So, I'm not mad. I haven't seen you for a long time, so. I feel like that was really fun just to do. So, this is episode 20. And it's Betsy's birthday month. Betsy's birthday month. Yes. I turned 25. On Valentine's Day. So, it's time for my quarter life crisis. Honestly, I'm just waiting to, like, find out that I'm pregnant on my birthday or something so I can truly have a quarter-life crisis. So this is episode 20, and this episode is part two of I Survived. This week, we're going to be talking about Stephen Kerbecki, and I hope I pronounced his last name right. (laughs) I literally never say last names. I say them like one time and then I never say them again. I'm horrible at that. So Stephen was a student attending Hope College in Holland, Michigan. I fucking know that college. Oh my gosh. Have you been there? I've never like attended there, but I've literally walked through their campus. Like not inside the buildings. It makes Holland like a college town. So that's crazy. Yeah, so he was 23 years old and he was studying German. He really liked the outdoors and he had experience mountain climbing in Europe. One day is what it is often to do. And you said this was in 78? Yes, this is February 20th, 1978. He goes out for a lonely cross-country ski trip. However, soon, snowmobilers discovered his backpack and his skis, but no sign of Stephen. So the snowmobilers call the authorities, and soon people come out and start looking for him. Okay. His boot prints led to Lake Michigan, and then seemingly just disappeared. It's like that scene in The Witcher... Where that snow on the ground and the, was it a bat thing or whatever? and it, The vampire lady. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I saw that clip, so I know. I know. Wait, so was it the, like, did the shoe prints, the footprints go up to the lake and disappear? Like, he went into the lake or they disappeared 
before the lake. So the lake was frozen, so I think it was, like, a little bit on the ice. Oh. But then they just kind of seemed to be disappeared. But then also, I mean, you know this, like, with snowdrifts and stuff, with the winds and everything that happened, especially by a lake, I mean, those winds are crazy, and they can just erase footprints really quickly. I'm going to make a guess. He fell under the lake, like, the fr- like he fell through the ice. Well, that's what people assumed, However, divers never found a body. They searched all over the place, couldn't find him. Eventually, his family had him declared uh, deceased. And then Hope College awarded him his degree. I believe it was Absentina. They were just like, you know what, to honor him because he passed away, we're going to give him a degree. So he has a bachelor's degree. I didn't know colleges actually do that. I know colleges do, like, honorary degrees for, like... People who have done really good achievements or celebrities and stuff like that. I want an honorary degree. I haven't done enough, though. You had a freaking child. You grew another human inside of you. The only thing, like, cool I've done is just be awesome. Well, yeah, but that's, like, normal for you, so. I know. (laughs) Maybe that's why. You know. (laughs) It's a hard life, you know? I bear a lot on my shoulders. I hate myself. Continue. I love you. <laughs> I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm having a pity party over here. So he got an honorary degree, or he got a degree. Yeah, after he died. Okay. Yeah, because he earned enough credits, and he was a good enough student, but then uh, he died, so people were like, oh. But they never found a body. Couldn't figure out exactly what happened. His friends did know that he did have a habit of going out on the ice, which makes me think of Christian because Christian does stuff like that where he'll go on like the edge of a cliff and be like, ha, look at that far drop down there. And Emma's like 10 feet away. Christian, get your ass back here. Christian sounds like every dude that has ever (laughs) dude in history. Who are all Dude. fucking idiots. <laughs> yeah, if Christian dies, I don't know what will happen. I think Emma and I will just start a cult. 15 months later, Stephen's aunt hears a knock on her door in oh, Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is over 700 miles away from where Stephen went missing. And who is on the porch? Stephen! Wait, so Massachusetts is on the other side of the lake, right? No, Massachusetts is east, so... Oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. Okay, here's Michigan, here's Holland, and you're saying Massachusetts is over here. Yeah, so yeah. Lake Michigan's here. Wow, okay. All right, continue. His aunt obviously was shocked <laughs> and thrilled. I mean, obviously, to see if you thought your nephew was dead and then he suddenly appeared, you were like, whoa. Stephen said that he didn't remember anything about the 15 months that he was missing. And that he woke up in a field 700 miles away from the location he went missing. He was wearing clothes that he didn't recognize and had a bag filled with maps and souvenirs from around the country. The only thing that he could think of, kind of his last memory, was that he had lost consciousness on Lake Michigan. And then he didn't remember anything until waking up in the field 700 miles away he did say that he did feel really exhausted like he ran a lot and i believe it was the shirt he was wearing was a shirt that said 
that he had participated in the Wisconsin, like a a marathon in Wisconsin. What the fuck? So he basically, he goes missing. No one can find him. He doesn't have his backpack, his ID, any money, anything. Goes missing in the snow. Appears over a year later without a clue of what happened. Whatever drug this guy was on, I need to get on it. (laughs) Dude, can I have one? (laughs) Seriously. Dude. Just, like, do it for 2020. Could you imagine? Though I kind of already feel like 2020 has already done that to me. Where I'm just like, you mean the last six months? I mean two years? So he didn't really want to be in the spotlight about this disappearance. Um, It was a little bit of a media sensation because, you know, obviously someone who's thought is dead and appears again. Like, it's a little bit of like a what? But he didn't really like the spotlight and he refused to go to a psychologist. Like overall, physically, he was fine. Like there were no signs of him like really having like any wear and tear. Like he was perfectly healthy. He was fine. But to refuse to go to a psychologist, I feel like that is really stupid. Uh, It's definitely a red flag. Because if you lost over a year of your life, like wouldn't you want to do some like type of immersion therapy or something to try to like remember? What happened to you? I What if someone, like, kidnapped you and then drugged you the whole time? Yeah. Oddly enough, he went on to earn a PhD in clinical psychology. So I almost wonder if his experience inspired him to, like, kind of self-diagnose or self-heal. Yeah. I do find it rather suspicious. I don't know. I, I, for me, it's kind of suspicious that he doesn't want to talk to anyone. He doesn't want to go to a psychiatrist. Uh, psychologist. There was also someone who had said that they had given him a hitchhiking ride. I think like the Saturday before he reappeared and he was like, no, it was the Monday. And they got in a little argument about that, I guess. And I don't know. It was, there's just like a lot to kind of figure out. So I was going to go into the theories of kind of what could have happened to him because to this day, we don't know. He won't do any interviews or anything. This man is still alive and he refuses to give interviews to anyone. He is a clinical psychologist. He still works. I mean, because he's probably the age of like between our parents. He's probably because he would have been 23 in 1978. Aliens. That's what I'm thinking. Are you serious? Well, okay. Because that's like, I'm just like. It's aliens, dude. He fucking got kidnapped by aliens. They did some weird experimentation or some shit. Okay. You got really excited. Your face, like, lit up. So, okay. There's a couple theories that I have. Tell me. Well, okay. So, there are, there are theories and, like, some are out there and some are not so out there. Right. One was that he went to Europe. He had been there before. And there were theories that he had two girlfriends in Germany... And one girlfriend in France. However, there were no flight records that showed that anyone matching his description was on flights to those locations. Okay. But it was the 1970s, so it was kind of like pre-big tech and pre-9-11, so there wasn't a lot of screening going on from my understanding. It's sort of like taking a bus nowadays, I feel like. So it's like, yeah, well, there was, there was no flights that had a description to Germany or France, and I'm like, there are plenty of other ways to get there. Like, he could have, I mean, if he was trying to disappear, he could have gone up to, like, Manistee, and he could have flown over to Canada, and then from Canada to Iceland, and then Iceland to... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there there are so many different ways to get 
someplace that it's like I don't see at that time I don't like it doesn't seem like a good enough excuse well were there girls in Germany and France who added to this story saying they were his girlfriends or like because I'm like where does the where does the girlfriends come from like that's a random weird assumption um not that I know of. Huh. Yeah, I think I think his friends had said that he had girlfriends. I'm pretty sure it was his college friends. Which, then the other thing is, too, is it's like, okay, how reliable is that? Because a guy's going to probably tell his college friends anything if he doesn't feel cool enough. So it's, I mean, how... Well, and not only that, if you're studying German, I don't know. It's just so hard because it's like, yeah. what do you consider a girlfriend? What do you consider... A relationship are either of the like okay maybe he did have a girlfriend in Germany and a girlfriend in France mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that they considered him to be their boyfriend or even like be okay with him coming to visit them like they could have just been pen pals or over the phone girlfriend or like you know what I mean it, meeting someone in actual real life or spending time with them it's very different yeah yeah for sure. I feel like that's bogus. Yeah, I don't I don't feel like it's a very solid lead. The only thing was that he was studying German and he happened to go to Europe before, but it's like who hasn't? I mean, I mean I know there are people who haven't gone to Europe, but at the same time I'm like if he's going to Hope College, which is a private college. Also, Hope College is a Christian college, and I feel like that's a really weird thing to brag about on a Christian college saying that you have a girlfriend in Germany and a girlfriend in France. Yeah. Especially in the 70s. I I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. Like, I feel like if I was an insecure college student and people were like, well, why do you study German? That's not cool. Mm. you like, oh, I have two German girlfriends. That's true. But who knows? Who knows? So that's one of the theories. I don't believe that. Yeah. not Not really probable in my mind. Another theory is that the Michigan Triangle did something to him. <gasps> so I don't know if I've talked about this before. Yes. I think I, yes. I think I have. But where is the triangle? That's what we never figured out was where was it? From Ludington to Benton Harbor. So kind of south and north of where Holland are. And then the other point is across the lake. And it's um Manitoga, I think, or Manitoga. Togak or something. So he really was right where the triangle is. Yeah. And there were a lot of things that happened, you know, in that triangle, like shipwrecks, missing planes. And then also something that I thought was really cool is Michigan Stonehenge is in that area of Lake Michigan. What's that? Basically, someone discovered a few years ago under the water that there is some type of structure that looks like Stonehenge under the waters of Lake Michigan in the Michigan Triangle, Lake Michigan Triangle. Shut up. Hold up. I'm, yeah. I'm looking it up yeah, right now. That. Michigan Stonehenge, not Michigan football. Shut the fuck up. Rock carving underwater Stonehenge of Lake Michigan was discovered in 2007 at a depth of 12 meters uh-huh they're believed to be ten thousand years old what the hell a little bit about michigan stonehenge i watched a, a mini a mini mini documentary on it that was from i think 
the Discovery Channel, they dove to take a look at it. It was kind of significant for a couple reasons. One, there was a carving of a mastodon, which is kind of like a woolly mammoth, on one of the rocks. From my understanding, people didn't think that people have, had migrated to that point at the same time when mastodons roamed the earth. Humans inhabited this part of America way before we thought they did. Um, because they were existing here at the same time of the Mastodon. So there's that carving of, on that rock. I'm not really sure what the, the circle means, but leading off of that circle is a line of rocks. And while that seems really mysterious, hunters in the past would use rocks like that to drive their prey in a line. So then it was easier to shoot them or hunt them or whatever. So they would make those lines of rocks. They would drive the animals along those rocks. And then when the ice melted, obviously the rocks sunk to the bottom of the lake, but they still maintained like their general shape. For me, it makes sense that it would be like a historical thing that looks mysterious just because we don't understand what people used to do, but it's interesting. Like I, I go back and forth about the Michigan Triangle. Well, there's obviously the Bermuda Triangle, but then there's also the Pine Barrens Triangle over in Massachusetts, which is also like a cryptid kind of hot spot. And then there's the Michigan Triangle, and then there's a triangle, I think, in Australia. And, like, I feel like people are just dra drawing triangles all over the place and are trying to make them seem cool. Like, where it's like, no, just a lot of mysterious stuff happens here. It doesn't happen to be exactly in this triangle shape. It could be just coincidence of, like, where the worst stuff has happened. I'm very intrigued. So that's the second theory that I had, um, that the Michigan Triangle did something to him. So whether it teleported him or it made him disappear and reappear, or maybe he went under the ice and then somehow the magic of the triangle spat him back out. You know, that, that could be one theory. Pairing with that theory would be that he would be abducted by aliens, which a lot of times people look at ancient structures like that and they are like, oh, it was aliens. Which actually, and I didn't realize this until it was explained to me in a different video, that that type of thinking is actually really um, discredits ancient cultures. Because it's like, oh, well, the only way people built period or periods, <laughs> the only way people built pyramids was uh, was because, you know, aliens helped them because they weren't smart enough. That type of thinking is really dangerous because then you don't respect older cultures. Because then at the same time, it's like, but how did they move that giant ass piece of rock and make it into the most perfect shape? Right. Like, I, it. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if ancient people had very similar technology to what we do now and they kind of just wiped themselves out and they had to start from the beginning. There's a lot of evidence that ancient Egyptians have like light bulb type technology, but they created it through, you know, just chemical reactions, which is basically just what electricity is. So, I mean, it's very possible that they had created a lot of things it's just hard because there's not a lot of evidence left over and then modern history takes credit for a lot of things that have been around for a very long time well and like if you go back and like go to an antique shop and stuff and you see like even like something as simple as a mouse trap that was made like back in the 1800s those things were so like ingenious like it was so cool like they had all the different little levers and gears and springs and all this stuff that would like you know like it was just I think it's funny 
when it when people undervalue the ingenuity of humans in the past and how they assume that humans in the past weren't as smart as humans today and I'm like that's the most arrogant thing you can ever say. I feel like people now are actually a lot more dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Another theory is that he was abducted by aliens and that would explain the random distance that he traveled and had no memory of, the missing memory in general, and then also the random clothes and items that he had and was wearing. Like his bag that he was carrying was filled with maps and then souvenirs from multiple different states. And everything in his bag showed that he, like if he had really gone everywhere he had gotten the souvenirs from, he would have gone all the way to California and then back to Massachusetts. So I have like another option. Is it possible that he was just like, I'm tired of this life. I want to disappear for a year and then just fucking show up at his aunt's house and be like, I don't know. Well, that that is probably for me the most accurate reason. I mean, this guy's 23. He's He's just misunderstood. Well, like, if you, if you woke up, if you woke up in a field and you didn't know Mm -hmm. what happened to you and you had this backpack filled with junk. Yeah. Would you keep it? Like, I mean. Yeah, it's, it's weird though that he would, because he abandoned his skis. I've heard two different tales about his backpack. One was that it was with his skis And then another one was that it appeared after the area was searched for him. So there are kind of like two stories what happened to his backpack. I mean, either way, it was recovered, so he didn't have it with him. And how they identified it was him missing was through his backpack and other belongings. But it wasn't the same backpack that he showed up with to his aunt's. No, no, he he was, it was a random bag filled with maps. But... If you woke up in a field not remembering who you are and you had a random bag mm-hmm. filled with maps and souvenir crap. I don't know. Just the fact that he mm-hmm. took it and kept it makes me feel like, well, that's your stuff. So you must have assumed it was mm-hmm. your stuff. He woke up in the field knowing who he was. Like his last memory was on Lake Michigan. Right. But so if his last memory was on Lake Michigan, there's nothing... That he would know to tell him that that bag was his stuff. True. Because it's not his backpack. Yeah. Like if he couldn't remember. I feel like if I woke up in a field and there was a bag with random crap in it. I would not be like, oh, that must be mine. I feel like I would be like, was there someone else with me? Did they leave their stuff? Like, Yeah, that's a good... You know what I'm saying? Like, uh-huh. like, it seems a little bit sketchy. Yeah, no, I didn't, a, I didn't think about that. It seems a little yeah. sketchy that he just assumed it was his, or if he did, just be like, I'm gonna go for a year, and then show up at my aunt's house and be like, I don't know, then it would make sense that he, like, took his stuff because that's his stuff. I don't know. It lines up if he did have that bag of maps and all the different pieces that were from around the country so someone did report that they gave someone matching his description that would match up with the theory that he just kind of was like i'm out and just kind of left and then was like i'm ready to hitchhike back because i mean i can't speak for him but i know if i woke up in a field and the last memory that i had 
was me walking out on Lake Michigan in the middle of winter. And then I saw this random bag with gas stop junk. I don't know if I would be like, I should take that. Because I think I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, I probably wouldn't. I Right, like, I feel like I would be, like, worried that that was someone's stuff and, like, I was kidnapped or I was knocked unconscious or, like, whatever, and I think I would... I, would, I wouldn't want to touch it because of the cooties, yeah. <laughs> I would probably look through it and see if I found anything familiar, and if I didn't, I probably would just be like, fuck that shit. I don't, I don't know. It just, it sounds really suspicious. Well, and it's like, if aliens were real and he was abducted by aliens, it would kind of make sense if he had that knowledge of oh this is my bag these are my clothes because they would have erased his memory and put those memories <laughs> I'm talking like a crazy person but you know it's yeah it could be I don't know also that's interesting so okay so his testimony was that he woke up in a field and he walked to his aunt's house yeah. Then a person gave him a ride as a hitchhiker in the same area. Yeah, and that came out a little bit later. And this is why I think he just ran away. I wonder if he had, like, a psychotic break. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, college is stressful. And the winters in Michigan are brutal. Right. It's very interesting because no matter which way you look at it, it's it's like he did survive himself. Yeah. Another theory of mine, and this is my last theory, is that he joined a cult. <gasps> oh, well, it was the 70s. Yeah. Because it would explain his relux reluctance to describe what he went through. And then there also could have been some type of hallucinogenic involved. Or he could have been brainwashed into thinking a certain way. Um, you know, like, there, there's, like... Were there any reports of him, like, wearing a wedding ring or anything like that? Not that I saw, no. Like, some people speculated because he was all the way out in California. They're like, he joined a cult in California. And I'm like... Cults can be anywhere, but okay, sure, we can say California. I think there are some cults, though, in California specifically. Yeah, I could definitely see a young kid getting into some sort of cult, and then, like, I feel like that that would make sense. And it would make sense that why he didn't want to talk about it, because maybe he would be embarrassed by it. I mean, I don't know. Or he, I wonder, too, because it was the 70s, like, he, what if he literally was tripping the whole time. There are, there are, uh, what do you call it? Psychedelic mushrooms in Michigan that grow wild. Right. Like, he could have just been out of it the whole time and not have even known. It's, it's so weird to think that this is someone who attended Hope College. It's weird that, like, it happened, like, he's maybe 10 years older than my dad. It's happened pretty recently and it's still and he's still alive you google him he'll pop up on like psychology today's website he actually today currently um like i said he is a phd in clinical psychology he doesn't do interviews people ask him all the time to do interviews and he doesn't and one of the reasons why this is surprising is he actually published a book and it's called meta mathematical foundations of existence godel quantum God and beyond. Wow. Yeah, so it's really like kind of out there. <laughs> Sorry. I was petting the dog. And I was like, why is his leg so short? I was petting his penis. <gasps> and I was molesting the dog. You just, you were, oh my gosh. You were giving the dog a hand job. I was giving, 
Oh my gosh. I hate that. I oh, hate that so much. My gosh, that's hilarious. Okay, anyway. Sorry, I was like, why does his leg not have a foot? And I was like, that's not his leg. Famous last words of so many <laughs> women in history. That's not a leg. You need you need to wash your hands, girl. That is disgusting. I know, yeah. I do. I need to, I'm gonna keep my hand over here until the end of the recording. <laughs> Oh. I'm scarred. I'm scarred. I molested a dog. Okay. Uh, he seems alright, though. He's still asleep, so. <laughs> You're gonna be in his dreams tonight. <laughs> oh, Lord! I can't. I hate oh, that. I hate I it hate so it. much. Anyway, okay, so he um, wrote this book. He wrote this book. And a lot of people are surprised that he doesn't go on these other podcasts to talk about his experience because it would help promote his book. So that's another reason why I suspect that he is lying about, you know, that's kind of where I am at, you know, and maybe it's unfair. Like I said, I don't know the guy. He's still alive. Like he doesn't seem to be a bad person or anything, but whether or not he's being honest, I mean, who knows? But anyway, this is the summary of his book by goodreads.com. The goal of science is to discover and explore the boundless realities of existence. In meta-mathematical foundations of existence, the authors prove that existence is infinite in its universes and realities. Everything imaginable and unimaginable is possible. There is endless change and limitless possibility driven by the inherent incompleteness and inconsistencies of all things, thoughts, theories, and universes. Existence is a dialectical dance between the infinite possibilities of existence and the finite constraint of any universe or thing, including reasoning and life itself. Even God exists, though not in the way generally conceived. Through the book's proofs, the origin of the universe and basic ideas in quantum mechanics are also rendered more understandable. Most importantly, the reader does not need to know any math as the proofs are presented at the end following an in-depth explanation of their meaning and applicability to comprehending the fundamentals of existence. So basically, from my understanding of reading that, it's just a whole lot of like questioning reality as we know it today. Yeah. And it seems like a very deep book about questioning reality and also questioning God slash the presentation of God and like the correlation between the two of them. I just find it really interesting that he would take the time to write a book, but then not promote it. So then that makes me wonder about the whole cult thing. Because if he still had the ideology of his religion that he practiced in the cult, maybe he doesn't want to talk about that he was in a cult, but he does want to have other people read about it? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's, I, I think it's sort of difficult because they're... So to be a writer, to write a piece of work, to write a book and then to promote it, are two very different things. I feel like, as you know, I like to write. I think I would like to write, but I would really struggle with promoting. Yeah. I think that it just might be something, especially when it's a book like that, I feel like 
maybe just the act of having written a book and publishing it was the goal, not necessarily for people to listen, but to have almost like writing in a journal, yeah. like just to put it out there. But I don't know. That's I I just say that because like when I think about writing a book, I really struggle. Like I could write a book, I could edit it, I could do everything. And yet I would still really struggle with the idea of getting it published and like promoting it and making it like a thing. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. Like the whole the whole case makes me wonder about so many different things. I feel like there's kind of an endless possibility. And I guess the whole reason why I chose this as my I survived thing is that his case was considered a missing 411 case. I don't know if you've heard about this um, before, but there's a guy who writes a book series called um, Missing 411. So these cases have a list of criteria and for a case to be considered a missing 411 case, they have to meet certain criteria and he happened to fall on that however he came back from his disappearance so I thought it was interesting that he kind of was a missing person who people thought he died but then it turned out oh I survived I just have no idea what happened to me right yeah but generally um missing 411 case usually occurs in like a national park a rural area or a large reserve of land which it did happen he was in the wilderness and he disappeared. Exceptionally odd circumstances surround the disappearance, which a little bit with him, it was just a cold Michigan winter. And then mental illness or voluntary disappearance does not appear to be the cause. And people, like, they assume that he fell through the ice. I don't think they assume that he kind of had any mental issues. And then there are a couple other things too, like inclement weather and just, like, people not able to track him and all these other things that, kind of land him in the missing 411 criteria but unlike a lot of those cases he showed up again so it's kind of the mystery of of steven kerbecki i can't imagine going missing for a year if i forgot one year i would literally forget artemis like i would remember get being pregnant but i would forget all of that first year well, thank you for listening to this week's edition of How Not to Die. Make sure you follow us and subscribe. And if you like social media, we're on Instagram at How Not to Die Pod and TikTok at How Not to Die Podcast. And please leave us a review. Can I leave my own review? <laughs> can I? Can I rate and review us? I want to rate and review us. Yeah, of course you can. Um, I'm going to let you go so I can go wash the dog penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. But yes, if you're out there, please, please give us five stars. Please. please. Just, just think of us being on our knees begging for five stars and think of the children i am single so if you want to get put in the raffle for a <laughs> date with anna <laughs> write a review give us five stars oh, and we'll think about it
Welcome back to But the raffle, aka the raffle, means the winner will only be Henry Cavill. Sorry. Oh, yeah, you also have to leave your social so Anna can thoroughly spy and, uh. Oh, yeah. By the time we go on a date, I will know what your mom's favorite color is. So. Wow, that's oddly specific. I actually don't know your mom's favorite color. I bet I can. I don't know my mom's favorite color. My mom doesn't really have a favorite color, though. (gasps) I would guess her favorite color would be, like, a dark pink. I think my mom's favorite color is probably, like, a dark red. So close. Yeah. Hey. We're about there. So... Anyway. I think your favorite color is pink. Yes, it is. How could you tell? I only have everything in pink. Even my keyboard is pink. My my background for my iPad currently is someone putting on pink lip gloss. If I get my nails done, they will be pink. All mine will be too.